Alhamdulillah, in Ahmedu and Stainu, one of Stafiru, and Ominobihi, one at Wakalo Ale, one also belay him in Shururi and Fusina, women say Yatia Marina. May Yadi Hilahu Fala Mudilla, woman Yudlilhu Fala Hadiella, one a Shadu Allah, Ilaha Illah, Wahdahula Sharikala, one a Shadu and the Sayyidana, one of Vienna, Mulana, Mohammed and Abduhu or Sulu. أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وما آتاكم الرسول فخذوه وما نهاكم عنه فانتهوا صدق الله العظيم سبحانك لا علم لنا إلا ما علمتنا إنك أنت العليم الحكيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري واحلل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي درشي بالله Respected brothers respected elders, mothers and sisters listening at home due to the blessed month of Ramadan that came to us a break was taken from our Duru sessions Alhamdulillah in the month of Shawwal we continue with the seerah of Sayyidina Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala Bifazlillah much has been covered the earlier part of his life the Khilafat inshallah in our session tonight just to quickly recap what we discussed in the last session and to resume from the last chapter the last phase of the life of Sayyidina Osman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an the third Khalifa of Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam The son-in-law of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam Towards the last part of his life Especially the last few years Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala And went through a very difficult patch A lot of scandalous activities taking place A lot of fitna in all directions different people different motives and especially from that group which we know as the Sabai sect Omar Farooq do you remember the Sabai sect Abdullah ibn Sabah the man from Yemen a Jewish man that pretended to be a very pious Muslim a sincere Muslim but in fact he is the leader of all the munafiqeen this man because of his method of provocation and how he would promote propaganda and even though he was a munafiq of course Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given skills to every individual be it a Muslim or a non-Muslim this man was a very powerful speaker being a Jewish man he could even speak Arabic very very fluently and he came from Yemen of course and when he would speak he would be so persuasive in his 
message that he would convince anyone. That is how he would speak. In fact, people have said that if you were around Abdullah ibn Sabah the Munafiq, you'd be actually hypnotized. You'd want to believe him. That is how he would speak. A very shrewd, cunning man. A very shrewd, cunning man. And it was a very difficult time for Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an. Just to give you a quick glimpse, remember uh, the propaganda which he promoted. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from fitna. He started saying to the people, and what he would do, he would actually pray at the vulnerability of people, especially the new Muslims, the reverts, the converts, people who were not blessed with the company of Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een to stay in their company or people who were not blessed with knowledge and people who were just simple Muslims he would speak with them and because he had a lot of wealth at times if they needed money he was the first man to give money to them win their hearts this is how he would act in front of the people uh, he would dress up uh, in the clothes of how the pious people would dress up and he started sending messages that every Nabi that has come in this dunya, every Nabi that has come in this dunya had a successor. And majority of the successors were related to that Nabi. Look at Yaqub alayhi salam's family, look at Ibrahim alayhi salam's family. And he started lecturing the people that I can recall a thousand prophets. Every prophet had a successor and that successor was from amongst the close relative of that Nabi he was closely related to that Nabi look at Musa alayhi salam look at Harun alayhi salam and this was the false analogy that he was presenting to people confusing the people these were simple people and he said don't you think there is a successor for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he would term that successor to be the wasi. And in the Arabic language, wasi means your will. Your wasiyat, your will. And he said that the wasi for Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam was Hazrat Ali because he was closely related to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But the truth is, Hazrat Abu Bakr snatched the khilafat from Hazrat Ali. Then Hazrat Umar snatched the Khilafat from Hazrat Ali. Then Hazrat Uthman snatched the Khilafat from Hazrat Ali. But he is the Wasi. Now if you think about it, okay, Hazrat Ali was the cousin of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But in fact, all of the companions were related. Hazrat Abu Bakr was also related. Hazrat Umar Farooq was also related. Hazrat Uthman was also related. They were Qurayshi people. Hazrat Abu Bakr, never mind relations, Hazrat Abu Bakr was the father-in-law. Was he not the father-in-law? Hazrat Umar Farooq was the father-in-law. And Hazrat Usman was the son-in-law. Hazrat Ali was the son-in-law. But this was the method of propaganda. A very powerful speaker and orator, when he would speak to the people, and he would even speak to them in different, different languages, he would work like how the missionaries work today. Never 
tiring themselves at all times ever ready and prepared to bless the people with the message of Jesus or how the Qadianis work today working in Africa, working in that part of the region where people are simple minded Muslims they haven't got knowledge and slowly speaking to them with an agenda that Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiani is a pious man slowly from that piety slowly slowly then indoctrinating them that not only is a pious man he's a wali but slowly from a wali to push him to believing that uh, Mirza Ghulam Qadiani is also a Nabi that is the propaganda this is how powerful this man was Aliyazubillah and he actually said to the people that to do jihad against the people of Medina and what he was trying to do was to break Medina Munawwara from the rest of the world that all the other regions of the Islamic Khilafat are one and it is one against all and it's Madinatul Munawwara that is where Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were or otherwise the companions were in jihad or many of the companions had passed away by then and then you had the time of the Tabi'een and so he would say that it is justified for us in fact it is an act of great reward if you fight Hazrat Osman radiallahu ta'ala an and take away Khilafat from him and reinstate Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an in his position that will be a great reward in Allah for you and this was the message that he was sending a very shrewd man and he would even explain to them how you do it he said first you start by finding faults with the governors first you start finding faults with the governors once you find faults with the governors of Hazrat Osman then we will find faults with Hazrat Osman radiallahu ta'ala and this man started forging letters sending uh, one letter to uh, a different governor and, and, and that governor's letter to a different governor different regions, different governors and instigating hatred between them the picture that he was showing is that the citizens disliked the governors and the sahabai kiram ajma'een were disunited amongst themselves this was the picture that he was showing and this man actually started giving his dars lessons after that and he would aliyazubillah uh, misinterpret the verses of the Quran and give the wrong tafsir and a simple message inna alladhi farada alayka al-Quran laraduka ila ma'ad bring the tafsir of this ayat karima he said isn't it funny that all the people of Medina say hinting to the companions that Hazrat Isa alayhi salam is inferior and Hazrat Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam is superior but inferior has not passed away superior has passed away see how he would work the confusion creating the confusion Allahu Akbar inferior has not passed away superior has passed away so you are saying Isa alayhi salam is still alive in the heavens but Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has passed away and we have buried him and that he will not return what foolishness is that he would say to the people this man did not even believe in the khatm nabuwat of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and he started saying that the truth is that Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam will also come and before the coming of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam Hazrat Ali is the man in charge in fact at times he would even 
push Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an to the status of being a prophet after Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This was Abdullah ibn Sabah. And slowly, Allahu Akbar, he was winning the hearts of people. A lot of people were coming close to him. People who were illiterate, people who did not have knowledge of Islam, people who were new Muslim reverts, and he had the money, the way he would talk, he would reason with them, he, he would explain to them the logic of why Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala an has to be the Khalifa and not Hazrat Abu Bakr, Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala and not Umar Farooq and not Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala. In fact, he would go around visiting different parts of the Khilafat and he went to Basra and he started talking to the people there until the governor found out and the governor of Basra expelled him. Then he went to Kufa. Now in Kufa, there were already people who were pro-Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, fitna, pro-Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala, and he started mingling with these people. And slowly when the, uh, the governor found out in Kufa, he also expelled this man Abdullah ibn Sabah and said to the people, don't talk to him, excommunicate him from everyone, tell him to get out. And when he went to Syria, Hazrat uh, Amir Muawiyah radiallahu ta'ala didn't give him a chance. The only haven for him was in Egypt. That's where he found refuge. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives some understanding to the Egyptians. Even today, it is the Egyptians that are suffocating the Palestinians. It is the Egyptians that are suffocating the Palestinians. In fact, when you read some of the articles, you feel that sometimes your own Muslim brothers are making life so difficult for the Palestinians that perhaps even the Israelis or the Jewish people are not giving them so much grief as what the Egyptians are doing. Allahu Akbar. These are the munafiqeen of the time, my respected brothers. And the same policy. The, the man that was given refuge in Egypt, Abdullah ibn Sabah, they welcomed him. They welcomed him. Even today you'll find a lot of Shia influence in that part of the region in Egypt. And that is where he had settled far away from Madinatul Munawwara and his strongest partner in spreading the Sabai sect was in Kufa. Yazid ibn Qas was the man. Remember, the governor was Hazrat Sa'id. Hazrat Sa'id ibn Ulas. But the man who was promoting the Sabai understanding and ideology was Yazid ibn Qas. And brothers will remember in the year 34 after Hijri, when Hazrat Sa'id ibn Ulas went to Madinatul Munawwara to meet Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an, that is the time Yazid ibn Qas gathered everyone and invited all the Sabai people to come to Kufa and to meet up and to finally push Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an out from his position. So all that was done by this man who was in Kufa and of course the backbone was Abdullah ibn Sabah. In fact, they even managed to secure Kufa and they took over Kufa. They did not allow the return of Hazrat Sa'id ibn al-As into Kufa. If brothers remember that the blockade that they put up and they said no. A thousand men, a thousand men, sorry, were outside of Kufa and they said, Sa'id ibn al-As can't come here. 
And in fact, Hazrat Uthman ibn Affan radiallahu ta'ala an said, Who do you want as a governor? Are you happy with Hazrat Musa al-Ashari? And they said, yes. And Hazrat Musa al-Ashari became the governor of Kufa. Now what Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an did also, was that he was a very intelligent man, a great khalifa. Hazrat Uthman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala an had organized a group of people and had dispatched them on a spying mission. Go out in the different regions and see what the activities are of the Sabai sects, this group of people. That is why my respected brothers, ulama have mentioned that it only takes the company of one evil man. It only takes the company of one, one evil, not a hundred, not ten, just one. One evil man that can spoil your life achievement. Everything that you have, be it in this dunya or versa in the hereafter. And that is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has said, when you choose your friend, choose the best friend. One man can spoil everything for you, everything for you. Allahu Akbar. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from people who enjoy spreading fitna, uh, scandal mongers, people who, who love spreading scandalous activities, little things and they want to spread it, and they want to disunite the Muslim community. And you will find such people today. And a man who is fitteen, a man of fitna, does not have a single identity or a single definition. He hasn't got one face. It comes in different forms, different faces, different angles. But they play by the game divide and rule. A man of fitna plays by the game divide and rule and themselves are very selfish. And they have no ikhlas. That is why Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam has enforced upon the ummah that stay in the company of pious people. Today you will find very few people have friends who are ulama. Very few. You look at all the contacts, all business people, tycoons, rich people, this, that, Malvis, they fear Maulana's Why They feel that, oh, this Maulana will ask for chanda. This Maulana will ask for chanda. So let's not get in touch with the Malvis, bichara, they're always begging, you see. They're always begging. This is the truth, really, my respected brothers. And so don't get in touch with uh, the scholars. They're not beggars, my respected brothers. Alhamdulillah, whatever you see in England today, it is the works of the ulama. Wallahi, it is the works of... The backbone, the foundation is of the ulama. Yes, it is different that the scholars have decided, you know... Uh, to work in the mosque and to work in the madrasa, Alhamdulillah, and you know this is not shikayat, this is not crying and weeping in front of brothers, just an explanation, that they work for the sake of Allah, that they work for the sake of Allah. But very few have that, very few. A lot of people just don't want to stay in touch with the ulama, which is very, very wrong. Allahu Akbar. Imagine if, you, if you're in touch with pious people, you pass away, maybe... A few scholars would come to your janaza namaz. And by that Allah forgives you. A few scholars. And I always give the example of Salim Sarang. 
an ordinary man died of cancer but this man had ta'alluq with all the ulama and every alim was making dua for him by salim sarang, salim sarang, salim sarang, salim sarang wherever you go salim sarang oh make a masjid in his name make a masjid in his name I know what is this man was he a shaykh al-hadith what is this salim sarang what was he but he was a khadim of the ulama what was he he was the khadim of the ulama from Malana Yusuf Motala to Mufti Shabbir to Mufti Shabbir to Hafiz Patel to Hafiz Patel to the local ulamas every man went to visit him at the house let us go and visit him what was it that he had one man can make it or break it it's, it's, your, it's how you stay in your company Alhamdulillah our youth must engage in the company of pious people if you stay in the company of pious people inshallah nur will come into you and that is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says on the day of qiyamah al-akhillau yawma'idhin illa al-muttaqeen that on the day of qiyamah that all friends will become enemies except for those that were muttaqeen all friends will become your enemies except for the muttaqeen and, and that is why Abu Lahab's gang was Umayyah and all these people that were there, Utba, Shayba, some of them even tried to get close to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. But their attachment to Abu Lahab was such that they did not, Abu Lahab did not allow them to get close to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And when all of these people died in the battle of Badr, Allah's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam looked at their dead bodies and said, Ah, Abu Lahab, Utbah, Shaybah, what I said to you, are you experiencing the pain and the grief <coughs> that you are going through now, the punishment in your graves? After your death, you, you go through that pain if you're a kafir. And some of the companions say, Ya Rasulullah, you speak to dead people and Allah's Nabi said, they can hear me clearly more than how you can hear me. More than what you can hear me, they can hear me. Of course they are listening to me. But again, they gang, evil people, my respected brothers. Make logo ke Stay with pious people and inshallah ta'ala, you will be polished. That is why on the day of Qiyamah, it is said that, you know, some people will be sitting in Jannah. And a group of people will say, Why? Uh, it's this. Omar, you know, where is that person? Where is that person? Remember who was with us in Leicester? Umar Farooq will say, I don't remember. Is this who said, no, no, I remember. Morana, you're talking about that man? So yes, for an example. Example. So where is he? Say, oh, that man, let's go and look for him. And then a group of people will start searching for him in Jannah. They'll go everywhere. Bhai, have you seen this man? Let's take his name, Abdullah. Abdullah means the servant of Allah. The servant of Allah. Meaning, no one here. <laughs> but where is Abdullah? Why they go upstairs, downstairs, the top level of Jannah everywhere. Why? Oh, you can't come, this Jannah is for the elite. But tell us, is Abdullah there? No, no, no. The angels come. Why Abdullah? No, Abdullah. Where is Abdullah? And finally, the angels say that Allah has said that Abdullah is in Jahannam. Abdullah is in Jahannam. And these people will say, but we were... The friends of Abdullah, we would sit in Leicester with Abdullah, you know. 
we went to roosters with Abdullah and these were our friends and everybody Allahu Akbar where is he? Allah will say Abdullah was your friend? you people are pious and Allah will say to the angels take this group to Jahannam but they will be protected they will be protected from the outside a safe passage, a corridor and it will be such that they will see through the Jahannam but they will walk and they will actually see everyone and Allah is so merciful Allah will say that because you are pious anyone who you recognize take him out of Jahannam anyone who you recognize in the hadith it comes that this favor will be given to the sulaha and the ulama of this ummah the sulaha and the ulama of this ummah how important it is to be connected to the ulama the sulaha and the ulama that maybe not in this dunya but possibly in the hereafter also and they will be walking around oh bhai oh mashallah this was our neighbor in Leicester bhai angel ko that man, yes, that man, yes, that man, this man, this man, this man, this man, this man, this man. Where do you want to go further? Let me see. Now I think there's a lot of people here, you know. There's a lot of people here. That man, this man, sorry. Allahu Akbar. And all of these people will be rescued. And they'll come out from Jahannam. And they will be thanking this brother. And they will be thanking Allah. And this is what is meant by shafa'at. Shafa'at, intercession will be also given to certain individuals of the Ummah. And so my respected brothers, ulama have mentioned an important lesson from this, what we speak of Abdullah ibn Sabah, is it's not about history. But this man was influencing so many people in the Islamic region. Allahu Akbar. He was about to shake uh, the, 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 the Khilafat, the high seats in Madinatul Munawwara. In fact, so much so, that the scholars have mentioned that when these spies came back to Madinatul Munawwara to Hazrat Usman, they said to Hazrat Usman that there are even people in Madina Munawwara, a handful of them who have become Sabai. Imagine he was in Egypt, but the influence is in Madina Munawwara. Fitna. This is fitna. Fitna spreads very, very fast. Very fast. And immediately the three were arrested in Madinatul Munawwara. In fact, a group of people were planning to come for Hajj, and on their way on their way for on their way to Hajj, their intentions was to go to Madinatul Munawwara and besiege the residence of Hazrat Uthman uh, radiyallahu ta'ala an, and to forcefully remove him. And if he showed any resistance, they were even prepared to assassinate him. This was the intention. And all the information that was given to them was from three individuals in Madinatul Munawwara. Immediately they were arrested. And a group of people that came from the different part of the regions, Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala an, saw these individuals in Madinatul Munawwara and wanted an open meeting with them in an open uh, court where anyone in Medina could come and participate. And Hazrat Usman wanted to present a very strong defense and Hazrat Usman said to these people that are you Sabai and people and you people follow Abdullah ibn Sabah and they said yes they actually testified and said yes we are Sabai people living in Medina Munawwara 
So Hazrat Usman said to the three, whilst all the Sahabai Kiram Ajma'een were there, including Hazrat Ali, including Hazrat Ali, he was very close to Hazrat Usman bin Affan radiallahu ta'ala, and Hazrat Usman said to them, give me a list of all my wrongdoings and transgressions and my mistakes, which warrant me to, to leave this position as a Khalifa according to you. You are saying you want... Osman out from this position, why? Give me the reasons. What reasons did they have? What faults could they find in the son-in-law of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam? Flimsy, petty excuses, insignificant uh, excuses that they presented. And let me relate to you some of the things that they said to Hazrat Osman. And they said to Hazrat Osman that, oh yes, but you don't follow the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. You don't follow the sunnah of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and you know fitna is, is very very bad fitna is very very bad la hawla wa la quwwata illa billah and so Hazrat Usman said I don't follow the sunnah which sunnah don't I follow he said well it is the sunnah of Rasulullah that when he would travel he would take the concession that was given to him by Allah so every four rakats would become two Whilst he was a traveler. Every four rakats become your two rakats. So Zohar, Isha and Asar would be two rakats. Because you're a traveler. But you, when you travel, read your full salah. Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala immediately uh, said to them that this is an accusation. I only read full salah when I travel to Makkah. Only travel to Makkah. And they said, well, traveling to Makkah will also make you Musafir. And Hazrat Uthman, now imagine arguing in front of that Sahabi who is considered to be a jurist companion of Rasulullah. A, ju- a mujtahid, a jurist companion of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he said that, let me explain to you the masla. I have a family living in Makkah. I have a family living in Makkah. I have a home in Makkah. My family is in Makkah. So traveling to Makkah is like going to my own residence. So therefore, according to the Masla, I am not a Musafir. And that is why it is my ijtihad that I am not a traveler. My family is there. I have a family in Medina and I have a family in Makkah. So I frequently visit Makkah because I have my family there. And so he said to the companions that were there, senior sahaba, is that not the masla? Is that not the case? All of the sahaba kiram ajma'in said, of course that is the masla. And very quickly Hazrat Usman acquitted himself from this uh, uh, accusation. And then secondly they said, well, you have disrespected the Quran. Hazrat Usman has disrespected the Quran. How have I disrespected the Quran? You have burned some copies of the Quran and you have forced the people, the Muslims, to uh, towards only one recitation of the Qur'an. Towards only one recitation of the Qur'an. Hazrat Usman stopped the Sabai people and said, Can I ask you one question? How many Qur'ans were revealed to Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa How many Qur'ans were revealed? And they all looked, eh, Qur'an was only one. He says, Is it not the same Qur'an that you read? Of course there are variant recitations of the Qur'an, different method of reciting the Qur'an, but because the new Muslims were confusing themselves in reciting the Qur'an and were making clear mistakes, and were also 
giving the wrong interpretation to save them from fitna and confusion and we've covered this yeah. we've covered this I had sanctioned the people to only to the qiraat of the Qurayshi people that recite the Quran in accordance to the logo of the Quraysh but if you are an expert in the field of qiraat then you have permission but no one else has the permission that is why all the variant readings and the copies of the Quran were taken and there was only one recitation that the people had to read and that was the recitation in accordance to the lehja, to the dialect of the Qurayshi people and so he said I am actually saving the ummah from confusion and you say that I disrespect the Quran again sahabai kiram ajma'een said that this is not the reason that you need to uh, depose Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala and from Khilafat and then they accused him, accused him of stealing and they said to Hazrat Uthman that it has come to our knowledge that you have taken a portion of land and have annexed that land to the land that belongs to the Muslim treasury and you have done that because of your own camels you want your camels to graze in that part of the region and Hazrat Osman knew immediately and let me just explain to you during the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam and Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar there was a land that was reserved for uh, the camels for the animals that belonged to the Baytul Mal for the purpose of jihad or for the purpose of zakah and these were grazing fields so the animals were in the possession of the Muslim treasury the land was in the possession of the Muslim treasury so what Hazrat Osman did is that he had taken another plot close to this land and had annexed it to the land with that in which the camels were that belonged to the Muslim treasury and they accused him that this land, land belongs to you Hazrat Osman said that everyone in Medina knows except for you that this land belongs to the Baytul Mal and the only reason I have made I have given an extension of this land to Baytul Mal is because during the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr and Umar there were only a few camels, few animals but now Alhamdulillah Allah has blessed us with a lot of wealth and so this portion of land is not enough for the animals that we have and so there is a need for me to give the animals extra land and this is not my land this is chori that this is this is an accusation what you put in front of me and as for my camels and listen to this my respected brothers he said all of you know that whenever Allah's Nabi needed any assistance I was the first man to stand up in the battle of Tabuk how many camels did he give in one sitting 950 camels in one sitting 950 camels were given by Hazrat Usman in one sitting Allahu Akbar and to finish the thousand he gave 50 horses today I have only got two camels when he is a Khalifa the prime moment of his life when you know he has all the power that he wants he decides only to take two camels and he says I only have two camels to support me when I go for Hajj bus that is why I have two camels and do you think for my two camels I would use the grazing fields that belong to the Muslim treasury and again they had nothing to stand on and then the, the other accusation they said to him well we see that during your term of Khilafat your family members the Umayyads have become very very rich 
your family has become very rich Hazrat Usman said to them can any of you give me proof that the wealth that is given to my family is from the Muslim treasury because there was an accountant there you had people who would give the full accounts of what money is going and coming and have I caused any form of embezzlement to the wealth of, of the Muslims what is it? can you give me proof? and Hazrat Usman said the wealth that you see with my family members is my wealth because I am getting old I want my family members to, to be rich I don't want them to extend their hands to other people so the wealth that I have that I have I've given it to the Muslimin and I feel that my wealth belongs to my family members that is why you see a lot of rich people in my family because that is my wealth to them not anybody else's wealth Hazrat Usman was a very rich man Subhanallah And so he would do business And then they said to him Oh but you see Hakam ibn al-As Was banished in the time of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam From Makkah to Taif You are the first man to allow him to come to Medina What right have you got To give him refuge in Medina Hazrat Usman said You have no knowledge Later on in the life of Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Allah's Nabi had repealed his decision and had allowed Hakam ibn al-As to return back in Makkah and I have not told him to go back to Makkah I have given him refuge in Medina and Hazrat Osman had presented a very strong defense a very strong defense every question answer every question answer after that some of the Sahabai Kiram Ajmain including Hazrat Ali gave a decision that it is best that we execute all of them that we kill every single one of them but imagine this great man Hazrat Usman Allahu Akbar the man that he was in his character very soft hearted and he said to the companions that I don't want bloodshed whilst I am the Khalifa I don't want bloodshed whilst I am the Khalifa but I will give them time maybe to retreat maybe to think over maybe Allah will give them the sense and they will respect the Khilafat in Madinatul Munawwara and he said to the companions that I don't want to execute them the overall power was in the hands of the Khalifa and said I pardon them and he says I forgive them maybe they will learn by their mistake now but Allahu Akbar these were the Sabai people they had only one agenda and that was to go against Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala inshallah from the next session we will continue and we will actually talk about how the different Sabai people slowly now push towards the city of Madinatul Munawwara and what actually happens in the city of Madinatul Munawwara Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq wa akhiru da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد النبي الامي وعلى اله وسلم تسليما اللهم تقبل منا وتب علينا انك انت التواب الرحيم نستغفرك ونتوب اليك سمعنا واطعنا غفرانك ربنا واليك المصير برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين